Welcome to the Beyond NI podcast. Uh, I'm your host, James Mayne, and as always, my good friend and co-host, Matthew Spires. You know, I'm always happy to be here, James. <laughs> oh, we're back in person. Our COVID scares are over. We're all safe now. We're all safe. We were safe before because I did have tests, but, you know, yeah. it was just for the sake of it, I guess. Just, just make a sure it's all right. Yeah, yeah. Just, why not? Being a wee bit extra careful doesn't nobody no harm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just to round up on the news this week, some big stories, some ones that were missed by mainstream media, which we thought we would bring up. I've actually, I've actually got a, a question for you. Do you think when I say mainstream media, it makes us sound like we're this underground, like, uh, alternative? Uh, but when I say that, I'm yeah. also under, saying it with the underlying tone of, if we're just plain weird. Well, I, no, I've thought an awful lot about that. I've thought an awful lot about that sometimes. <laughs> Because I, th- I do think that, I mean, clearly we are underground, but we, especially in comparison to, like, if you're talking about, like, what the big four, yeah. maybe big five, if we're including, like, Belfast Live, kind of media outlets in Northern Ireland, yeah. um, we're clearly nowhere near any of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're alternative media, certainly. <laughs> um, but then, remember, I guess we talk about the major. I don't know. It's, it's hard in the sense that we're... Not like, you know, being alternative for the sake of it, I guess. No. We have like yeah. a purpose to our alternativeness, I suppose. And the fact that we want to, we have like a very clear message of what we report. Yeah. We don't just like report everything. Like we have like a very clear set of like things that we're like, oh, we only want to do like policy, party politics maybe. And then, you know, if something really like hits our fancy, we'll report on it. Yeah. And, you know, we obviously try to take care of the whole unionists did this so yeah, not yeah. to say that sort of uh, narrative which I'm I think we're all sick of really yeah. Uh, so yeah no I've just I've, I've been thinking about that for a while calling ourselves <laughs> alternative media we're which alternative media now I just sound, it makes us sound like it Sonic like a prick, like... yeah or it makes us sound like Sonic Youth for one of those bands you know yeah. just out there and weird yeah. <laughs> five minute guitar solos no Sonic Youth for more like let's stick like six crazy effects pedals and make noise okay um interesting music and very punk uh driven in a lot of ways but yeah good band good band teenage dream is uh worth a listen right let's let's get into the actual stories um obviously the big news stories of the past week has been the afghanistan crisis um i i don't think we're going to talk too much about what's actually happening in afghanistan we because go shortly over if you want shortly but i am conscious that um we're we're both not from that region of the world and i think it's very easy for us to yeah maybe not bad takes but one's upper voices probably should be heard more than ours when it comes to this i can get my bad take if you want (laughs) right we'll we'll have your bad take (laughs) i mean my my bad take is only like really just copied opinions from other people you know what i mean yeah yeah so just blame others yeah pretty much uh here's a list of journalists i'm gonna blame for my bad take (laughs) um so what basically happened was not what basically happened was, because that sounds like I'm just going to give like a wee concise history <laughs> lesson. But from my understanding, what happened obviously in Afghanistan, if you haven't been watching it for like a kind of like the extended period of time, because I feel like 
the past week we've had a lot of talk about it but then kind of what happened before all that has been a wee bit more like quiet mm. so what happened basically was that you have this very slow well I won't say slow but like this kind of quite long battle of like the Taliban taking over a lot of the re- the kind of rural areas yeah. of Afghanistan uh, they get control of those areas because for one thing most of those areas generally are more conservative so they're just more accommodating they're also done a very strong they, they don't have a very centralized system of government in a lot of those places so you can kind of just let those places go along without having like a very highly uh, highly skilled you know government mm-hmm. or like a, a government that kind of like ensures that everything works in the same way across all the areas so I think the Taliban also found it very easy governmentally like, they didn't really have to like do a lot they could just kind of come in, take the place over, say this is ours now, and then let them continue basically doing what they were doing before, yeah. while, you know, and keeping it like Taliban rules now, I guess. Um, but then the worry was, or the not the worry, but the, the question was, could the Taliban take over like an urban area and actually keep control of it? Because um, the urban centers are kind of a wee bit more liberal in yeah, general. Which is a, a general trend throughout the world. Right now, definitely, yeah. It makes it, That seems to be... Just like a, a kind of global part of maybe globalization is, yeah. is you kind of get more liberal, liberal parts in the cities. Um, and I think the general, so far, the answer has been yes, they're able to kind of uh, take over those areas without too much bother. Whether they're able to long term actually be able to kind of sustain those areas with like proper government is like yeah. a, is a more difficult question. and. Then obviously yeah, the fact that I, I imagine quite a lot of people want to get out of the country right now because they probably don't feel very very welcome. Yeah, I I think maybe I'll just comment on the Western response because yeah. I I do feel comfortable talking about that. Is, you know the whole the whole plan was to train the Afghan military mm-hmm. so that Western troops could eventually leave, and I I seen a couple of videos of how that training process went, and. <laughs> The, the running theme from both British and American forces was that the Afghanistani people were very hard to train. They wouldn't listen to Western forces. Um, it's all, they, they just didn't see joining the army as the be-all and end-all and right. f- henceforth didn't take training very seriously. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much I buy of that argument, though. It, that's why the main reason the Taliban was able to so quickly take the capital again. Yeah. Um I just nobody wants to nobody wants to fight. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. And if and if you had these forces that were unwilling to, I would also maybe say, was there a a general undercurrent maybe throughout most of Af- Afghanistan if our situations not improved with twenty years of Western forces being here, how much worse can it be? potentially going back i don't know i'm not an expert this is maybe why part of me does think that i I don't think the 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 kind of liberal parts of the stage probably did probably see it as like we don't want to go back to that you know even if we haven't like the western rule or not western rule but western kind of occupation Mm -hmm. um i mean i think one of the main problems has been obviously we said we weren't going to talk about this for too long but here we are Um, but yeah one of the main problems which i I kind of viewed was like it's i mean and it's it's been something that i've encountered you know, kind of reading more about, like, kind of American, kind of how they dealt with, kind of, the communist, kind of, how they dealt with, like, kind of satellite states during, kind of, the Cold War. Yeah. Is they kind of just try, try and end up usually trying, well, don't, they either do one of two things, just put in place a dictator who, like, you know, just 
you know, kind of gets funded by America, which is what they did a lot during the Cold War. Or they'll try and just kind of copy and paste the kind of American system and just think like, oh, well, it worked for us, it'll work for them. Yeah. Which, you know, it, clearly it doesn't. It's a very Francis Fukuyama line of thought, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Like, You're all just trying to get catch up to us, basically. Yeah. Which isn't true. No, it's not true. And I think by not letting that process happen naturally, yeah. you, you you risk of it ever becoming stable enough to work. Not only that, you don't, whenever you don't let that happen naturally, you don't, you, you, you don't allow like the, the specialized system, which needs to appear like in different areas. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, sure. You know, parts of our system work culturally here. But whenever you go to a different culture and you try and apply it, you know, word for word, it's just not, it's never going to, it's never going to like materialize in the same way that, that it did in the, the original culture that you tried to put it into. Yeah, it's 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 like why a lot of Western world, you you have a liberal democracy, yeah. but how it's implemented in each region and how the voting process is, it, it's vastly different. Yeah. It, it, it's vastly different from each area to area. Yeah. Um, look, the, we, the other reason why we wanted to speak about uh, the Afghan refugee crisis is is because Northern Ireland have publicly, the executive in Northern Ireland have publicly came out and said that they're willing to take in refugees, which is which is great, yep. um, offering a home to those who desperately need it and are fleeing uh, the awful scenes that are happening in Afghanistan. Um, the executive came out and said, yep, we're willing to let it in. It'll be under the UK's... 20,000 allotments over five years. Um, just uh, some interesting points. Um, Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, who is leader of the DUP, had came out and said that refugees who helped Christian minorities and helped armed forces are more than welcome, which I thought was interesting that he would put a caveat on yeah. who is welcome and who potentially who is not. Uh, but I, do you want to ask anything to that? I don't think there's anything... Um, really shocking there when it comes to the DEP saying something like that. Uh, I guess it kind of makes sense in the sense that maybe he didn't want to just sound. I guess to like his, he's probably thinking about his supporter base. I guess in mm. that kind of comment, where he's thinking like, well, I can't just say you know I want people coming in from Afghanistan because maybe some parts of the DEP supporter base is going to be like, well, that's not necessarily what. Yeah, more right wing element. Yeah. Of more right ring, ring element probably but then I guess whenever you add the caveat that it's like oh well they helped the military and they helped you know a Christian minority then maybe it becomes like more suitable for certain elements mm-hmm. uh, but I mean I guess at least you know it's it's saying that they want people to come over as opposed to just like kind of a blanket no which is yeah I, I, re- I read a great fact though um, when it comes to the 20,000 that are coming over the next five years uh, for those who are who run the argument that there's too many coming in, we can't support we can't support them. If you take every town in the United Kingdom, it's four additional people. Yeah. In each town. So it's not really it's it's not... It's, it's like when the Syrian refugees uh, came over to Northern Ireland. Um, you know, some elements of society were kicking up saying we need to look after our own first, but I don't think we were flooded with Syrians anywhere. No. I I don't actually let, let me rephrase that. By flooded, I think that's an awful way to put it. Um, yeah, no, sorry. But just saying that, you know, when refugees came over and people yeah. said, oh, they're going, they're going to be everywhere. And they weren't. They were no. successfully implemented into our societies and are more than welcome. 
Yeah, moving on. Yeah, it seems it seems not. I mean, it does seem like every party supported it in Northern Ireland. Like, it seemed like every party was chanting on it. Yeah, which is great every, to see. Every big party. All, all the parties uh, who sit in Westminster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Sinn Féin, I know, even said a statement publicly saying they were... They were happy enough. Yeah, they were. I haven't seen any from the UUP, um, yeah. but I'm sure, I'm sure they would have agreed with it. You'd imagine so. Maybe they would have the same caveat as the DUP, but I suppose, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Well, considering both... Uh, Doug Beattie and the Allen, yeah. our former forces who served out in Afghanistan. I'm sure. I'm sure they would be more than. I'm sure that they're okay with uh, refugees coming over to Northern yeah. Ireland. Um, moving on. Um, we at Beyond and I posted a <sighs> a very opinionated article. We did yes. Uh, on Nolan and the critique that we believe he he somewhat deserves. Um, it's not specifically focused on Nolan. I think he's just no. more useful as an example throughout this article, Matt. Yeah. And he it, he's almost a reflection of the wider system at play. I think you could even say that he's just like a... I think there are Nolans in a lot of different media in a lot of different countries. Yeah. I think that actually he's... he's I wouldn't say he's an originator of it. He, I think he, he kind of... he He's got like templates out there of other people that I think sometimes he kind of looks a lot like, mm. I suppose... Look, you're the one who wrote the article. I edited it, but you're the one who wrote it and put the ideas across. Do you maybe want yeah. to explain what's, what's Nolan's role within the media landscape here and how he influences public debate? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the first thing which obviously needs to be said is just like, for it's better just to read the article. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a long thing. It's I specifically had a very short introduction, a very short conclusion because I didn't want to boil it down into like you know a one word one sentence kind of conclusion that you know doesn't necessarily represent the kind of whole point I was trying to make because I, I think it's built in such a way that each point kind of feeds into the next and yeah. each, each part kind of builds upon the last part so just reading like an intro and conclusion would not give you like kind of the whole build up and kind of kind of thing of it. it's so a very I, it's a very well written article well, thank you, James. Thank you very much. You... It's only because I added it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Before James added it, it was horrible. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, like it's. So it, I would almost say like you can near enough skip the intro and sk- yeah. skip the outro. The main part is like the middle part, which I think people need would would need to read if, you know, they're gonna listen to this part. Um, so basically, I, I made the argument that Nolan's kind of show is a bit like a, a gallows. I made the the reference to. It's a good reference. It's a nice reference. I feel very proud of myself whenever <laughs> I wrote it. I was there like, this is it. This is very postmodern of me. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> don't start. Don't start. Well, Foucault would have said no. <laughs> um, so basically, the idea is that if you're a politician and you've done something wrong, or even if you've done something that's, you know, notable you can kind of end up on the nolan show and get a roasting and, and it's kind of like the public galleries you get your 15 minutes of infamy and you know talking to and everyone kind of but it's kind of like a a give and take it's entertainment as well as the fact that it's punishment people don't feel like the politicians get punished enough so they get entertained by the fact that you know they get this kind of public display of humiliation sometimes whenever they're on the show and you know they don't say what they're meant to say or even worse sometimes they're not on the show because they refuse to be on the show but then you know it's kind of like a loss from as well because now everyone's talking about them without them even being there. Yeah. Um, and but it's kind of a cycle of where no one's kind of popularity means no politicians need to be on the show. It means that, you know, then he gets more relevance due to the fact that he has more politicians on and people want to watch it more and he gets high ratings and now politicians have to stay on. So it's kind of just a cycle which continues. 
of his fame, but then it kind of speaks to like a wider issue, which is kind of the idea of like a spectacle of politics rather than like a politics of, you know, reality, I call it. But it's it's almost, I would argue that the Nolan show looks at every small mishap yeah. in government here as a crisis. Yeah. And that over... It normalizes. Yeah, the normalization of the failure of Stormont yeah. is, is a road we don't want to really walk down because yeah. it, it leads us with the impression that all our politicians are useless, mm. none of them do any good work, yeah. and we're just left with this it-won't-change attitude, which for for a place such as here, which has went through so much heartache yeah. and, and trouble, you know, to have that um, no hope look for your political yeah. process or political future is a damning a damning scenario. I think it also it, it kind of brings up the point of like, well then whenever someone actually does something very bad, they kind of don't get the actual punishment that they should get for it. Because and look a lot of the problems aren't necessarily Nolan himself. No, not at all. But I think he's a he, as I say in the article, I feel like he's a cog in the kind of thing that allows them to get out of having to be punishable because it's kind of like a, a pressure release on them sometimes yeah I, I went on the show i got slabbered about for a wee bit now i just need to make sure that i get through being co- called to resign and then after that i kind of go back to being a normal politician but then you, you know kind of the those small misdeeds become treated as the same as big misdeeds it means the mis the big misdeeds don't really get the kind of same level of scrutiny that i think they all they sometimes should do and i think our system of government then kind of lacks the ability to like actually respond to those things and then I kind of make the final point, and this is a thing that happens in like a lot of the media in Northern Ireland. So it isn't just Nolan. I think it's kind of like a, a, a wider thing of like just kind of treating our politics like it's just full of idiots who don't know what they're doing, which can be true sometimes, which isn't true other times, and which I, I, I write better in the article than I'm explaining now. But um, then I make a final point that I feel like also Nolan's kind of got this radio show now where it's kind of become just like a a cast of characters who come on and say something not not necessarily that they even they say something controversial but no one introduces a concept to the person that is controversial and that they know will kind of you know get the person to say something that most people won't like mm-hmm. and then they get to have an argument with the caller um yeah. which is kind of like a very sports show and, and he would always things. argue he's just giving the people of northern ireland a voice yeah but it's a very selected few people who do get a voice yeah i mean they screen the calls they know exactly who they're gonna have on <laughs> yeah. it they know you know y- y- you know they whenever you call in they're not just gonna be like oh this is the first caller we get now let's yeah. put him on the line with you know this commentator that we have i think it's very interesting when you compare him to the the william crawley show yeah which crawley will always say on his radio show is new callers were always excited to hear from yeah which I I think I think Crawley does a slightly more nuanced show and it's slightly more laid back and it's one I've appreciated for years. Yeah. Um, but I would say Nolan Nolan isn't the sole reason why media no. here is like the way it is. Uh, as somebody who works um on the edges of <laughs> media in Northern Ireland, constantly looking for a story is a really hard thing here. For the number one reason is. We're so small as a jurisdiction. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. See, I, I really do, because I think there's so little real news that happens here, and I think news in this part of the world moves at a slower pace compared to other jurisdictions. 
that you're constantly looking for a story when there maybe isn't one there? I I would only disagree with that in the sense that I think that is that I think that's one of the I think that's one of the most like annoying things that I have with like modern kind of journalism in a lot of places is the idea of not being able to like make a story more entertaining or like being able to make something that has happened into something that's more readable or like associated to someone's life in like an appropriate oh, way. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like I, I think that there are things that we've talked about things before, like which haven't showed up in the media whenever they're talking about something else that's, you know, completely na- inane. Yeah. Like the private tenancy bill. If you're a good journalist, I think you should easily be able to make a private tenancy bill relevant. And digestible. And digestible to like the normal person. Yeah. Cause most like a lot of people have dealt with tenancy or they are right now in tenancy or, you know, they've rented at some point. I think that there just needs to be like a higher standard of association with journalism sometimes. And I think that there needs to be an acceptance maybe of the fact that sometimes, yeah, maybe we're not going to have the story that's like going to blow the top off of, you know, that's my whole point. There, there, sometimes there aren't going to be the story that blows the top off a stormant and shows that everyone's, you know, an absolute idiot. Sometimes there's like a story of just like, which you as a journalist have to look at and be like, how do I make this story and not another story, not look for a different story. How do I make this story that is something that happened now more digestible for are the you, Are you person? trying to say maybe embellish it? Because if so, that's a very different path. No, I'm not saying embellish it. I'm saying find a way to make it relevant to people. I'm saying find a way to make it entertaining if that's the way you need to go with it. Mm. I'm saying find a way to make it... Um, make it and make give it a purpose like mm-hmm. give a story a purpose i think it's it's a flaw within the, the thought of journalism sometimes it's just we're, we're just going to like say a fact maybe sometimes you actually do need to tell a story with it and maybe there's like a need to you know be able to look at a piece of policy and figure out how am i going to tell this to someone with them remaining interested in it yeah i think also a really big indicator of how good a journalist is and as somebody who's He's reading slash read quite a few yeah. very local parts of media. Obviously, people who are new to the industry and are yeah. training up. And compared to the the big hitters, the number one way I can tell if somebody has done their research is if they've actually read the policy. Yeah. Because the amount of times I've seen journalists, and I, I am talking about everybody across the scale, yeah. who has just read the Storm and Press release. Or just read the executive summary of something. Yeah, like or and has not actually delved deep into the policy. Yeah. Yeah, that I think that's what we're lacking here is people yeah. really taking the time to delve in this policy, and I don't think it's due to a lack of political education here because no. I think we're still new to this thing, but the amount of people who are politically engaged and are politically aware out there and who are great writers, we have an abundance of them. I would yeah. argue, uh, I, I so I don't know what's happening if it's an editorial choice in the big broadsheets or I think I think Sam McBride does point out one thing where it's like well there's. From for one thing, there's just not enough money in a lot of journalism mm-hmm. right now. A lot of journalism outside of like the BBC, which has like a guaranteed income stream of the you know, the taxpayer. So that means they kinda like are able to be like kind of the school standard of journalism in terms of spending money. Yeah. Um outside of that, you know, Belfast Telegraph, Belfast Live, uh newsletter the Irish newsletter or the Irish News, the newsletter. These are all places that probably are struggling right now in terms of actually getting, you know, money. Yeah. In, and they're still like in the early stages of getting the whole online subscription thing sorted out. Yeah. Um, you could argue, argue Belfast Live has done the best in recent years. Has, yeah. It's think, the one that's grown the most. I think it's also telling that that's probably the one that's most intelligent with the internet and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think they're the ones who actually know what they're doing and never comes to like online content 
out of all the other ones. Yeah. Um, but I think I should say that I don't think that that, that criticism that I had before of like, you know, tell a story, find a way to make it engaging. I actually don't think that's an issue with Nolan. I think he knows perfectly well how to make a, make a, a viewer engage with a mm-hmm. topic. I think sometimes I disagree with the way that he chooses to make the, the viewer engage with the topic. What do you mean by that? I, I think that, that sometimes he presents a story in a way that is too sensationalized or that uh, is... Uh, it doesn't focus on maybe like the political like analysis side, side of it. And that I mean, I don't mean you have to like sit there and like read policy out of someone. Mm-hmm. And that I mean that he's taken something which could have been like a learning opportunity or he's taken something that should have been like, a, you know, a chance to actually dive into like a story and like find out what's went wrong or something like that. And he kind of just takes it as an opportunity to like be like, oh, this person did this wrong. Look at this guy. He's so stupid. Mm, yeah. It's it's more for him maybe on a personal level at yeah. times, which it makes sense because it is a more interesting thing dealing yeah. with people. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. and it's always it's always good. This is our taxpayers' money that we're paying for these individuals to not do their job, to yeah. do their job. That sort of argument. I would say my my, if I were to give like examples of things which which, not even that I like, but which I think do the things that I'm talking about well in terms of like making an audience engage with something that. You know, wasn't necessarily the most exciting topic is like a John Oliver show or something like that, which yeah. I don't always like. I don't always like love it because like I'm a political nerd. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes I see it and I'm there like, oh, well, you've been a little bit shallow on this or I disagree with you in the way you decided this. But at the end of the day, he sometimes makes stuff that is very boring. Very, very accessible. Very accessible to a general audience and he gets millions of views on it. Yeah. So like as much as like maybe I'll disagree with this or that, and they're like, well, he's, he's done like what, what like most journalists can't do. He's made like... <laughs> A political topic that's quite in depth and like quite like you know nitpicky and he's made it into something that like mo- and he's obviously got like good researchers on the show oh yeah fantastic he, he has fantastic backroom stuff yeah definitely. he must have like a brilliant backroom staff of like proper political nerds and then it mixed in with like comedians who yeah. like are able to like be like okay we'll connect this and then we'll connect this to this joke yeah and i think that's like you know something that uh, there's a reason that's become so popular. That kind of brand, like, like what is it? Uh, Hassan Minaj has has a show like that. Yeah. John Oliver was obviously the gold standard for, or not? John Stewart was John the Stewart, gold standard yeah. for a while, and now it's Trevor Noah, who I'm not as big a fan of, even though I like him. But yeah, he got he got a harsh ride when you're he's got a harsh ride. Stewart. He's replacing Stewart, and I think it's difficult. So maybe he's just taking his time. But uh, you know, you've got even like. It's a very American thing, the way that they do it. I don't mm. think an SLA is going to translate to Northern Ireland doing it that way. No, definitely not. But I think, like, you got to... We're, we're in an age where, like, media has to change somewhat to, like, figure out how to do what it's doing. I just don't... I don't think, like, the brand of which Nolan is doing it or the brand of most of these newspapers trying to, like, communicate political news is, like, the right way of doing it. Yeah, definitely. But I I just want to add there... Maybe if we're you, not either. Maybe we're not doing no, it No, right we're, we're, we're far from <laughs> the gold standard we, that we see in our minds, yeah. that we want to be. Like, I criticise, but then I'm at the end of the day, like, am I exempt from all, all the points that I make oh, in this article? Not. Probably not. I would just say, though, as well, if you want good journalism, pay for it. D- yeah. Or you it's can listen to, to us for free. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, we're just a podcast for free. Uh, we're not the gold standard, though, but, you know. No, we're not a gold standard. We're just two guys talking exactly. who are... We read quite a bit on politics, and we work relatively in the same fields of yeah. it. So it's for us, it's different because we're so it's so much of our lives. But for the average person, yeah, it it's putting out content there that they're willing to engage with and want to engage with in an accessible way. Yeah, last thing, last thing will, I think just because this is a funny thing, it's not it's not necessarily like an actual political like thing, but maybe just in the sense that 
we're here now. We've done a lot of po- talking about politics and a lot of talk about like how we want things to be in media wise. Whenever we got criticism, because we got some criticism on that article. Yeah. How did that make you like? Because I remember whenever we started this, you were very like, and now we're like down the line on this. Whenever we started this, you were there like. I think the first bit, bit of criticism we got, it actually did affect you a wee bit. You were there like, oh, that's... Oh, yeah, personally, I yeah. took it extremely badly because it was my work that I was putting out there. Yeah. And I, I felt really rejected that what I feel like I know quite a bit about here and spent, I don't know... A long time. Long I'm, I'm 24 and I've arguably spent the last decade of my life thinking about here in the political sense. Yeah. And then, then to have somebody say, this opinion is wrong... Not only that, they also think it's bad They content. also thought, Yeah, they also thought it was bad content I was a bit destroyed by. Yeah. Um, I tried to tell you, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, you tried to tell me, but I, I couldn't listen. I had to go through those emotions. Yeah, yeah, But then now, do you, were you there like... Couldn't care less. Because I know you didn't write it, but you edited it, and it came out on our website, so... Like, I couldn't care less. Yeah, you couldn't care. That's I, good, that's good. I seen that, and I was like, okay, well, you've made this hypercritical point. You've refused to read the rest of the article. Yeah. You've refused to engage... Uh, for somebody who said they were an academic, I would. I, I was not, surprised. Not being able to, if you did see something wrong, at least acknowledge it, but then read on to see if there's yeah. anything else worthwhile. I get it. Your time's precious. Maybe you don't want to. Yeah. But I've met read many things that I've disagreed with, but still have been able to come out with. Yeah. And be like, okay, well, at least I can understand where this person was coming from. At the end of the day, I think beyond that, I. And I know we bang on about this a lot. We've been quite right in some of our predictions about yeah. where parties are going and their left to right scale. Or just where issues are going. Or, yeah, well. and yeah. It, it's made me definitely more confident that what I'm saying may not be right at the time, Yeah. but it has the potential to be right. And if we're wrong, everybody gets stuff wrong. It's not the end of the it world. Is it is It is what it is. That was really good. I really enjoyed yeah. that. <laughs> um, Moving on, uh, this is just, again a story. I think, uh, in fairness, the Bell Tell did bring this up, and they did quite a bit of decent research into it. Yeah. But it nobody read it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. Uh, Department of Health. Uh, when it comes to their accounting side, they've been criticised by the Northern Ireland office about how they're doing it. Now this story doesn't sound exciting. We yeah. get that. But the the reason it James, happened... we got to find a way to make it entertaining. We've got to make, find a way to make it relatable. Yeah, okay, here's how it's more relatable <laughs> and entertaining. The reason why it didn't get the main political attention it should have is because it's politically not popular. And for one reason, it's because we all give healthcare workers and social care workers £500. Yeah. And nobody in the executive wants to criticise how the uh, Department of Health done this accounting yeah. to make sure those payments went free. Yeah. And I'm not gonna criticize them either. <laughs> no, I mean I I I think that's the main takeaway from it is that it's clearly just like politically not possible to criticize that move, in in terms of like, because I think the general idea anyway is that the the health department doesn't necessarily get enough money, or not the health department doesn't get enough money, but maybe that certain aspects of the health the system don't get enough money, especially nurses and you know medical staff sometimes. Yeah, and it was one of those things where even when it did came out, there was one politician they got to comment on it. Yeah, the Beltel did, and it was Jim Wells, um, of the DUP, and he's he to summarize what he said is, it was during the pandemic, yeah. times were tough, they needed to make tough decisions, um, which it, it just showed you that there was no real political appetite to to attack to yeah. attack the department. 
over this last year. And I mean to give it like some level of a uh, uh, of context. Whenever the same thing happened for the Department of Communities, where it came out that they spent too much in the sports yeah. side of things, I think people were quite ready to <laughs> to criticize mm-hmm. that. Um, but I kind of I like as much as I think there's one part of me which says like, oh well, they they've kind of played funny with the numbers, they've misaccounted some stuff. That's wrong. I know that's wrong. But then like and like the other part of me is there like, but I mean it's gone to like a. It's gone to a thing that you think it should have went to anyway, probably, which is nurses, and you know it's went them, you know, to a health system that's kind of feeling. So, are, am I really gonna? It, it's yeah, not politically. It screams popular. of like someone stealing bread, not someone, you know, stealing. You know, a, like a watch or something. Yeah, yeah. It's. I thought it was an interesting story. It's, it's, I am surprised. I'm not surprised why I didn't get more yeah, attention. No. Espe- like, I'm surprised no one didn't lap that up. Like, a department doing, mis- doing something yeah. bad. <laughs> not doing their accounting properly. Yeah. Uh, not being able to get the maths right. You would have thought that would be yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting as well from the Department of Health. You're also trying to push through this 3% increase yeah. for for healthcare workers. Um, I know they, they've only been able to secure the 2%, uh, but they're not going to push the offer out until they get the, the final percent yeah. that they need so like that's probably played into why they've had to shift the numbers about about as well yeah um look the last bit of local news i think we want to touch on is housing which is up by house prices are up by nine percent at the moment it's impressive the biggest ra- annual rise since 2007 what was it you said why are people buying houses right now yeah i agree i don't get why Obviously, like the average house price now in Northern Ireland is one hundred and fifty three thousand. Yeah, and I think for people who've lived elsewhere in the UK or even abroad, they're probably thinking, "Sure, that's nothing." That's not, yeah. But for here, it's pretty bad. Pretty bad, and also, the last time figures jumped by this much, uh, was two thousand and seven, and I don't need to anybody, remind you what came a year later. <laughs> anybody remember what happened that year? Us. Me and my family only had to live on soup and bread. It was not fun times. <laughs> I half joke there. <laughs> My family bought a house in two thousand seven. Uh, <laughs> not um, fun. Not I mean, fun. it's it's a. I I think someone someone pointed out was it a, Alex Kane or something was his name. Yes, Alex Kane. I think he wrote one recently where he basically, uh, said that in in terms of like the comparison to our housing prices to two thousand seven, we're like not. You know, we're only like I think it was something like seventy five percent of the way to like the housing prices, the way they were in two thousand seven. Okay. So I mean, they're still a fair bit cheaper, and as like, as someone who's seen like what the housing prices were like at that time, yeah, no, we're an awful lot less cheap than like, you know, the the a lot of the houses that were, well, I'm not gonna say, specifically, but <laughs> they they were an awful lot more yeah. than the, what these figures are in terms of like the average house price. It seems, um. But I think it's a worrying trend, just in, in in general, to see this the housing price continue to rise. I do. We've known people who've bought houses recently. It just yeah. feels like a very maybe. It, is it is it just like us? It just our generation now. Just feels like because oh, we went because we saw like seen our parents go seen our parents it, go yeah. through it, and then we also saw like kind of how big it was, how big of like it's like the biggest like economic thing that our generation outside of maybe COVID has like experienced. That it was, Easily. It, it, it's like so ingrained in us to think like houses prices go up 
Must come down. <laughs> Must come. <laughs> At some stage. <laughs> I like that's such a, like, a monkey brain thing. <laughs> I, I genuinely believe, see, that 2007 to yeah. 2010 period was the biggest um, part of my development for my political thinking. Oh, yeah. Because it, it, shook, it shook me to my core in my family life, you know. It was, it was weird, like, it was a weird time. 2007 to 2010, it was just looking at it politically, obviously, as well. Then you've got, like, Obama coming in in 2008. You've we, got... We live for a really interesting time. No, like, we, we've we had a weird existence. <laughs> 2016 as well. I don't know. I When I think about 2016, like, I feel like the first 78 months of 2016 were, like, the best part of my life. Buying in music, like... Oh, it was a great time for Buying in music. music. <laughs> we're old enough now, I can say. It was a good period. <laughs> Uh, back to the housing though quickly um, one interesting stat Causeway Coast and Glensborough Council yeah um, house prices up 17% lovely lovely by the Causeway I hear I'm telling you buy it by the sea you'll be gone in 20 years yeah is that actually that probably would be an area that's probably under risk of climate change would it not be yeah pers- personally I don't understand why anybody would buy a house near the sea at the moment <laughs> we're living Being in Belfast real. right now Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I like that's, that's such a funny thing I saw recently. Is that everyone who lives in Belfast forgets they're by the sea? Oh, I no one th- did. No one thinks about. I don't. I don't think about that day to day whenever I'm in Belfast. But then they're like right across there. There's I li- a I load do, of water. Yeah, I do live beside a river at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I live beside the lagoon. <laughs> I love to see it. Um, did you come up in a bubble? I did not. I'm smart enough to yeah. not come up in a bubble. Um, look, moving on to our last story, and it's international. Um, th- this is not us being alternative media. This got all the headlines, <laughs> but we just thought we should talk about it. There we are. Um, Biden infrastructure plan being pushed through at three point five trillion dollars. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. It's arguably <laughs> the biggest uh, infrastructure spending plan in-, in history. Yeah, maybe bar outside China. But in the West, yeah, still, it's it's still, up there. I still think it's bigger than anything China's done. Maybe I don't know. Could be wrong. And I feel like it's still like bigger than China would, would have yeah. spent so far. In but the future, maybe China can spend more. But oh yeah, easily. But it, it it's an interesting one. It it completely wants to reform. Yeah. Like uh, America's connectivity, especially when it comes to like yeah, broadband. The, that's the one trillion infrastructure plan. That's it. Kind of it's getting like tied. What so. The one point, the one I think it's one point five or just one trillion. I think it's just maybe close to one trillion. Infrastructure plan is going went through Sanon first, and then I believe it's now kind of getting tied with the kind of budget plan of like three point five trillion. Mm-hmm. So like the budget's wider, three point oh, five, oh. and then the infrastructure plan is one trillion or something like that. Um, so a sizable chunk of so the whole plan. So a sizable chunk of the whole plan, but it's kind of. The way it's kind of formulated in the Senate is obviously the fact that the moderates, the moderates and the Democratic Party, even though the fact the Democratic Party have enough people to get it through on their own, there's like nine moderate Democrats who've kind of been elected because they're trying to like bridge the divide somewhat. So they want it to be like a bipartisan mm-hmm. plan, which in America has not gone well recently in terms of bipartisanship, probably in the last like two decades. Yeah, well, you say that but there's nine moderate uh, Democrats yeah. here. Willing to to go against their party whip. Yeah, but... I, well, I feel like that's a good start. And I feel like that's a good place to kind of... To, to kind of try building something that's a little bit more, you know, mm. civil. 
and make like for was for one thing Biden wants to do that anyway. I think he's been very like upfront about the fact that he wants to be bipartisan. Yeah, and he's been very he's kind of said like that's my playbook. That's me and Obama. We're the guys who like tried to like reach our hand across the lobby. If they slap it away, that's their fault. Um. But I mean, in the terms of, like the past two decades, Obama kind of in the second term can get anything through. No. Trump had I mean Trump was Trump like. Um, as soon as he lost any kind of control in the, the Senate, it was kind of all over. Yeah. Um, or the Senate, was it Congress? Yeah, I can't remember. Um, and then, you know, you had Bush, and it, maybe it was a wee bit, maybe the, the bipartisanship under Bush wasn't quite as bad. Yeah. But, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's you could also probably track with the rise of the internet and people standing in their own media bubbles and everything. Mean to each other. Yeah, <laughs> it's not fun. But do you think three... three one trillion... I mean, do you think that this would encourage other countries to kind of look at their infrastructure going forward? Well, we, we've said that interest rates are historically at a low. So yeah. if you are going to do these big projects, now is the time. And yeah. You can even see it within local politics, within the SDLP, uh, especially some of their ideas around reforming the, the train service here and introducing the, the idea of the loop. Yeah. And we're calling it. <laughs> So idea of getting a train to go all the way around the lock yep. and connect all the major cities and towns in, in the north. So, yeah, if, if you are going to do these plans, now is the time to do now it. Um, coming off the back of COVID, obviously it, it it's hard, um, especially if you look within the UK, how much they've spent on, like, you know, uh, help out schemes and everything yeah. and uh, uh, furlough. The, 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 I think Connor Murphy at some point did come out recently and say, though, that some of our housing, I don't know about other places, but some of our housing costs are, or not housing costs, building costs are going to be more expensive going forward than we maybe thought they were going to be. Yes, because of, uh, first of all, Brexit. Yeah. And then obviously the pandemic. Materials yeah. are harder to get by. A lot of EU nationals have left. Yeah. Um, people, there, there simply isn't enough men. Yeah. And I, let me rephrase that. Simply isn't enough men and women out there yeah. to do these jobs. Um, not that there's people not wanting to work, there's just simply not enough of them to fill those positions in the building industry. Um, it's obviously post casement park as well. It's kind of got the price kind of got hiked on that in terms of what people thought it was going to be and what it actually was. Yeah, and a good, in terms of it's a good policy initiative by, um, by Connor Murphy and the department was allowing those costs, allowing a variable. Yeah. Due to how costs are fluctuating at the moment, still allowing government projects to go ahead. Yeah. Allowing businesses to continue to operate and work, get the funding. I think uh, the Federation of Master Builders, who they represent quite a lot of the... <laughs> the Federation of Master Builders. I know, it sounds like they're in the Jedi Order uh, or something. But they, they represent quite a lot of uh, firms across yeah. the UK and Ireland. I think I think mostly just the, I think it's just the UK, sorry there. But they've said like over 70% of uh, their members are struggling oh, to really? get supplies at the moment. Well, which is, is mantle. I wish they didn't have such a funny name now. <laughs> I know, don't mock them, please. <laughs> I think that uh, brings us nicely Yeah. to an end for this podcast. Anything else you feel like? No, I'm, I'm, like so. I'm out of ideas. I, but I really enjoyed this podcast. It's cool. Like, really, really we enjoyed it. We had a nice it. chat in the middle of it just about media and everything which we feel about it. Yeah, I just I, I'm like I think that's what people really like about this podcast. Um, we've got, we've had some lovely feedback from yeah. quite a few people now, which yeah. always warms my heart. Um, so yeah, look, we'll be back next week. I think we're gonna try have a a special co-host. 
Something. Come on. Um, and I think potentially, Matt, the week you're away, I might get somebody else on. Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, just to keep the podcast but going. you just don't want to just do a podcast on your own? Just well, I, thought, I thought about that, but I, I don't like the sound of my voice, and I don't know if people out there also like it. <laughs> Imagine just talking to yourself in one room just for... I, I can't do hour. that. I don't think I could do that. I could probably do 20 minutes, max, Yeah. as a short. Maybe I will do that. We'll see. We'll no, see. I, I feel like if you can get a guest, just get a guest. Like. Yeah, okay, so no solo pod. <laughs> Trying to replace me. I get it. I see how it is. That's to be done. Look, thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week uh, with co- a new co-host along with ourselves oh, wow. I know <laughs> thank you all very much and we'll catch you again next week